gliding shapes that violate every law of nature. It's the Horror Foria Podcast. Hi, can I help you? John Richards and Andy Gilly are talking everything and anything horror movies. Welcome to the Horror Foria Podcast. It is Friday, March 6th of 2020. Episode number 52, broadcasting from our um, gassy studios in Wausau, Wisconsin. I'm John Richards. Andy Gilly. And special guest, he's a frequent guest of ours, uh, third time I believe you've been on, Kessler. It's second, maybe, I think, yeah. Third. Third? It is yeah. your third time, actually. Really? Yes, yeah. it is. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Three times. <laughs> Three times. Well, third time's a charm. I'm Kessler. I uh, I'm Middays on Rock 94.7. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. We are uh, here to discuss... Uh, the 2019 second feature-like film from Roger Robert Eggers. It's called The Lighthouse. Yes, it is. Super good. Yeah, we'll, good we'll, we'll get it's to that for 20, sure. Top 2019 movies. So. Yes, it was, and we'll talk about that in a little while. Okay. I know. You I, I, I promise you. On yeah, I, I will know call you, you out on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, horror movie news. Uh, horror movie news. Blumhouse's The Invisible Man raked it into the box office this week, generating $29 million on a $7 million budget. Looks like the Blumhouse model works for these Universal movies. Uh, maybe they should just hand the whole franchise over to Jason Blum. I don't know. Uh, that wouldn't uh, be a dumb idea at all. <laughs> I think it would be a lot better than trying to produce those uh, $125 million giant VFX action specials like The Mummy with uh, Tom Cruise. Uh, that didn't do quite. That, I'd say the percentage of return on that was significantly smaller uh, for a much bigger budget movie. Remember how much I like thinking that uh, CM Punk is Ash Williams uh, when I watch Girl on the Third Floor? Yes. Yeah, well, Bruce Campbell seems to indicate that isn't going to happen. Uh, in response to Dread Central, uh, Dread Central article about CM Punk replacing Campbell in a future Evil Dead movie, Campbell tweeted, You know what? CM Punk is great. He should play a guy in a horror series named Nash or Bash or Lash. With all due respect, the name Ash is like the best table at a restaurant reserved. That kind of was a loca. You know, actually, Phil did not respond to that. He didn't. But he actually was wearing an Ash Williams T-shirt in one of his Instagram posts. Really? He was. So I, I think he was kind of uh, trolling Bruce Campbell. You know what's funny about that is we brought that up in our podcast, and yeah. all of a sudden it, it started catching fire of people like going, getting on social media and going, yeah, that's that should happen. That's yeah, I totally started. I mean, that was part of my favorite thing about uh, about that movie was just imagining him as Ash Williams. <laughs> we did. We brought it up for that. <laughs> we did. Um, uh, Quiet Place 2 screened for the press this week and got some pretty good reactions. It was called nerve-wracking, anxiety-inducing, and uh, the use of silence in the sequel is apparently equally well done uh, in the sequel as it was in the original. Uh, it'll be in th- theaters on March 10th. It looks, see that one. it looks pretty good. I mean, it, again, I, I'm i always leery when it comes to a sequel, yeah. but you just like, eh. You know what? I think I got that wrong. I think it's March 20th. No, oh, that's in fine. The theater. I don't know. It looks interesting, but though, for it's sure. It's going to be in the theater this this month. So, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see it. I like the original. Uh, you know, the uh, silence and the sound was really awesome in the in the first one. I think uh, it uh, was one of the biggest aspects of the movie that made it good. So it's kind of an interesting thing. It was very unique as well. Yeah, yeah Did definitely you? caused a lot of tension. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Did you like that trailer I sent you or the, the trailer? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was uh, PG. Uh, Psycho Gorman. <laughs> Psycho Gorman, yeah. Kessler, if you get a chance, check it out. It's like a creature feature. Okay. Really interesting uh, premise. It's like for what they're saying is it's going to be truly gory. 
campy and everything. You know, the the trailer wraps up. It, it, it's about a creature, but I guess he helps out these kids. And at the end of the, the, the at the end of the trailer, they say because his name's Psycho Gorman, mm-hmm. PG rated R. <laughs> <laughs> it, it looks pretty awesome. Apparently, uh, it, it's like these kids have control of this uh, this like ancient uh, warrior being from an alien warrior what? being or something like that. <laughs> so the, the uh, director or writer or whoever was uh, like really kind of intrigued by the like John Connor's relationship with the Terminator. Okay. <laughs> and he was like, you know, he's got this uh, like mayhem inducing robot yeah. at his hands. How cool would that be? I guess he really always liked that idea when he was a kid. So that's kind of what it's about. Doesn't it give you kind of like an HP Lovecraft kind of feel to it? A little man. Because it's got some, it's got other creatures in, in the yeah. trailer itself. Yeah. Oh, by the way, how bad was the mummy from 2017? 16% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, it was I've disliked heavily. <laughs> yeah, I, I have not seen it. I've stayed away from it just because of that. Didn't it flop at the box office, too? Oh, it didn't it, make yeah. any of its money back. It was up. like $100 million. It only made like mm-hmm. not even half of it. Yeah, sad. Ugh. Yep. Sorry, Tom Cruise. Yeah, he can rescue that one. So that's about it for this week. All right, here is your horror movie trivia. The two stars of The Lighthouse, Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson, both have played vampires in their acting careers. Name the movies. Oh, my God. Um, oh, I, I know them. I know it. Yep, I do, too. Go ahead. It's, um, oh, crap. I know it's, one of them is Twilight, obviously. Yep, obviously. And the other one is Daybreakers? Uh-uh. No. He, played he wasn't. No, oh, he wasn't a vampire he, in that one. Well, no, he does play Nosferatu. That's Nos, Nosferatu. I thought he was in that. Uh, it was like a remake of. It was like about making Nosferatu. Yeah, right? it's called Shadow yeah. of the Vampire. Shadow of the Vampire. Okay. That's from 2000. Mm-hmm. So yeah, very right. good. Well, Daybreakers had vampires in it, so I'm going to give myself half a point. <laughs> <laughs> we don't give half points here, although we do give half stars. Half stars. <laughs> okay, so the Lighthouse started out as a film based on an unfinished story by this 19th century horror author. Sorry, I do research. Go ahead. <laughs> was or, it, or, this one? Yeah. yeah. It's not Lovecraft, was it? No. Uh-oh. Okay, because I got super Lovecraft vibes watching it. <laughs> yeah. but uh, So did I. Uh, I don't know. Stumped. Edgar, Edgar Allan, Allan Poe. Oh, that would be my next okay. guess because it's really the so, only other So he wrote this writing. thing called The Lighthouse. It was written as like some diary entries and it... it abruptly ends with the date January 4th. I guess he died around, uh, around the time he was writing this and they don't know if it was never finished or if uh, like That's maybe that was, was like, like the guy is supposed to die in the lighthouse. So huh. Yeah, you ain't kidding. I did get a Lovecraft feel from this movie. Yeah, with it being <laughs> set in the time setting that it was, both it being in New England and all like the maritime stuff and the water and like all of that and tentacles like you know oh we'll get into yeah that. we'll get into it <laughs> here's andy's chainsaw synopsis okay ephraim winslow and thomas wake are assigned to watch a new england lighthouse together and the two men's past the spirits of the sea the isolation and something about the lighthouse itself collide to test their sanity and their ability to survive the job and each other now to preface that he's he was actually he used to be a creative marketing writer so he writes his own synopsis of the movie and every single one of them knocked out of the park. I, so. I don't know if I knock everyone out of the park, but I, it gives I, you, I think so because it's very creative and it's straight to the point. Yeah, right. it gives us exactly what the movie is supposed to be about in two sentences. So yeah, that's a, yeah, that's the definition of a good synopsis. <laughs> there you go. So we uh, this is your spoiler spoiler alert. Uh, we will be talking about the lighthouse from 2019 again. The second feature-length film from Robert Eggers. Uh, starting out, uh, 
I freaking love this movie. Yeah, it's a good movie. Absolutely. It was incredible. I was pretty impressed. I freaking loved it. I know it's like one of those elevated horrors, and you know this movie actually could have gone a direction of, of being very bougie, but it didn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's what, what I loved about it is it didn't take itself too seriously. Like it wasn't totally like pretentious as a horror film there was comedic beats and it wasn't even beyond making fart jokes no like, right absolutely yeah <laughs> you know but uh yeah as far as like the horror goes it's all done incredibly well in just the tension and the dialogue the old english is just haunting yeah and uh the different uh personalities in the two uh characters is just they conflict and sometimes they come together and then they just don't sometimes in the same scene. Like, Oh yeah. The dialogue, it, the dialogue was really unique. And I think, you know, he did this in the witch too. Robert Eggers did the same thing in the witch where yeah. it was, the dialogue was really um, different and interesting the way he did it. And I, I guess they actually read like the diaries, the lighthouse keepers yeah. from that, that era to, to get some, they actually took some of it word for word. I think spill your beans was, yeah. was one of the things that, <laughs> that, that, uh, you that Came up, came straight out of some diary from uh, from a lighthouse keeper in the 1800s. Well, and I think back a couple episodes, we did our top five for episode number 50, and Justin from Straight Chillin' talked about how much he loved The Witch and mm-hmm. how much how much work that Robert Eggers puts into his movie. Now I've seen The Witch three times, and I really really love that movie, but this really solidifies that this guy does his due diligence when it comes to crafting a movie that. He doesn't leave any stone unturned. When he goes to create something, he is going to be to an exact of what it was like. Because basically, Robert Pattinson had a farm East Coast dialect, and then and then uh, Willem Dafoe, the the dialogue he had is a salty sea guy. Just and they said it's gibberish, but that's exactly the way they spoke. So I yeah. mean, just just even the dialogue in here was so uh, amazing i'll say this uh i got lost in the dialogue a little bit although kessler you watched you watched it with the uh yeah i watched on. it with subtitles on because i was i was aware of the old english in the beginning uh going in so i'm like i might want to watch this with subtitles but after a while i started ignoring the subtitles because after you kind of get an idea of what uh thomas wakes like accent and what he says and what he sounds like and like w- what he's saying it's like okay that's what that means and then you kind of like adapt to it it was kind of like watching a clockwork orange trying to get rid of that trying to understand nasdaq for the first time and then all of a sudden like oh i get it like 20 minutes in you're like i understand it now <laughs> like yeah. um it's not as completely gibberish as much as nasdaq was but i mean like <laughs> um yeah it's uh just the way it was just using like words like ye and like say I dig say I like you know it's just <laughs> so well done <laughs> no it really was and again it kind of it's, it goes back to the, like the witch and the and the kind of uh the that dialect that he he brought into uh, into that movie he he really did do his research here it was it was amazing and I think another thing that elevated the tension was how it was shot oh the aesthetic I think it's hilarious I paid to rent an HD version of an Amazon <laughs> film that was shot in four by three in black and white like, right black and white is a great choice for this film I mean it's it's really an artistic choice these days this isn't like Clerks where they had to make it cheap right you know I I mean uh, for budgetary purposes although this was shot in film. 
Yeah. Which I didn't realize. black and white film. Yeah, I didn't realize that. This was actually shot in film uh, with lenses from like 1912 in the 30s. There was a lens from the 1912 that he actually got from Panasonic. Yeah. I guess they know this guy uh, is is like a geek about his lenses. Mm -hmm. So, and and they they got this special type of, you know, 35 millimeter black and white film from uh, that. I guess there were only a few boxes of it left Mm -hmm. uh, to shoot this thing. So, yeah. uh, but a great choice. I mean, this this would not have had the same impact in color. I don't absolutely think. not. I, and you know, uh, and, and not to keep talking about the witch, but that that didn't have a lot of color either. You know, it was it was no, it was very dull. It, you know, yeah, the, it was, the goat was black. The you know, the, most of their clothes were uh, you know earth tone white type type uh, white and black, um, and. Um, and this, uh, I think, it was a great artistic choice. I don't think you would have had the same impact of this film if you'd done it in color. If I were to ask you, what do you think the budget of this movie was? What would you think? Uh, I don't know. I'm really terrible with how budgets work with movies. Maybe. So I want to say, like, maybe between it's a twenty-four, so probably not that much. Maybe between no. ten and twenty mil. Lower than that, two million dollars. A little higher, four million dollars. Okay. Bucks, huh? Wow. <laughs> well, they had to. Yeah, they had to be in. Well, and they had they to build the White House. Yep. They had in to Nova bu- Scotia. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they built it. Actually, the town. It was interesting on on some of the uh, facts of it. The town wanted to keep it up, but it was not to building code because they loved the, the yeah. look of it. Uh, it was up, not up to building code because it only had like just wood. So it was just made as a set. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's unfortunate. Yeah, well, I think, it's, you know the the mood of the movie. It seems cold and wet the whole time, and oh, yeah. black and white really, I think, uh, adds to that. Mm-hmm. Did you too. feel that though? I, I did. Mean, yeah. I mean, you could, just you that could. isolation too, and just yeah. that that feeling of being stranded on an island in like just waves for <laughs> as far as the eyes can see, and yeah, and just the music sets it up really well too. Like right in the beginning, it sucks you in because you get that that real percussive music, and then it like also matches the sound that the boat is making as they're coming into the island so like at one point i couldn't tell what's boat noises and what's score but they fit together perfectly yeah and they blended that so well you know that that is that it's that's different like the sound in this movie is very 21st century it's a great sound yeah that Uh, that foghorn will haunt me for the rest of my life absolutely man that that uh and and just the background of kind of the whirring and stuff the whole Mm -hmm. whole time lots Uh, of oboes absolutely man this it has in in contrast to like it's you know four by three black and white uh you know the the filming of it the sound is a Amazing. Yeah, stylistically, I mean, it's, it's, it's great. like yeah, definitely modern sound on this. Modern sound, modern shots too. Like the way all the shots were set up, like the panning shots, and like uh, the ones that stuck out in my mind. Where was the first scene where you see uh, Ephraim take the giant jug of oil up the spiral stairs, and right. it like pans up, and you see like the spiral staircase going up, giving you like a nautilus shape. Yeah. That's really cool. I, I didn't think of that. Yeah, yeah and then it recorporates again at the mm-hmm. end. Spoilers: when he falls down the stairs, they pan down to look again at like the Nautilus shape. Yeah, as he's falling down. Really cool. I didn't think of that. Yeah, well, yeah, and there were there were a lot of shots of the island, like the the far away shots of you're just because it gave you that sense of isolation that you're just on an island and yep. you're out there for what whatever they were supposed to be out there for four weeks, mm-hmm. but it was just like and as. It almost felt like it got smaller, like the island got smaller, like the way he shot it throughout the movie as they started going more and more insane or or more isolated. 
it felt smaller. I mean, even even the way they shot it, I was just like, wow. Yeah, and like, just uh, trying to see what else I got written here. I, I love how like, not a single word is spoken until like seven minutes into the movie. That's exactly right. 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 Like, no words are spoken. You just see like shots of the island and then like that scene where they're looking at the camera and they're just like standing looking at the lighthouse you could have paused it right there and it looks like a shot from 1890s that you took oh, yeah. it from a camera yeah like like two actual wikis standing there like you know <laughs> circa 1892 like you know this is this is our home for the next four weeks yeah right. like oh my gosh and see so in the beginning of the movie he finds this uh he goes. He gets into his cotch or whatever. He's getting himself uh, uh, Winslow mm-hmm. Ephraim, Robert uh, Robert Pattinson's character shows up to the uh, island, and he uh, he goes to his cot and he, he pulls out this. Uh, there's a hole in the cot, and he finds this like uh, wooden mermaid uh, or scrimshaw mm-hmm. mermaid maybe. I, I don't a little know. Little doll thing looking. Yeah. So what? It, what is this? Is this like just? porn or is it a magic talisman or yeah, I mean does this set up the whole thing or like him pulling this out of here does this cause this or what do you think is going on I here? think that's the beauty of this movie is that it leaves that up for interpretation yeah. because it could have been like oh this is something the other guy left to you know at jack off yeah you know yeah <laughs> right. it, 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 yeah to entertain himself because <laughs> right. there's not a lot to do out there right you get you it know. only after four weeks yeah, yeah. this is the best porn you got maybe you just we use got, it I guess. and like I maybe know. that little uh, effigy put it into his head and like he started to hallucinate hallucinate later on it came about because he would actually did see a mermaid right um maybe that's what kind of like tripped it off or maybe it was like a magical talisman it's i think that's the beauty of the movie is like it two does, people can watch it and one person can get one thing from it and another right. person can think of it completely different right well yeah it, but that, that that to me was kind of the beginning of the lovecraftian because you didn't not knowing really anything in this movie yep. i've heard what they do in this movie they have fun or they they get lonely and then masturbate they and fart. drink a lot. Yeah, yeah pretty That's much. A, and fart. <laughs> yeah, um, and fart. fart a lot. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I got the impression when you did see the mermaid, it's like this is this is kind of Lovecraftian because there were other things that you saw in this where you saw tentacles. Yep. Like like it was a giant squid. You yep. Know? Yeah, Captain it was, Ahab or like whatever. A, there was definitely a sea monster, but I got the idea of maybe this scrimshaw or wooden mermaid or whatever. Had like the spirit of a mermaid in it because he starts like yeah he does he starts hallucinating and dreaming of mermaids until he uh, you know has this encounter with a mermaid I think actually and I think it's funny that you think that finding the effigy was what the like spark that lit the fuse was where I think the spark that lit the fuse is when he beat the crap out of that yeah absolutely hurt. that that but he was was he not seeing things before that was he I don't I, I don't know I, no but I I don't. I don't think he really he was seeing things because he hallucinated yeah. quite a bit before that. Yeah, but it was almost like a, a taken backness, like like he was he almost frightened by this. Yeah, like seeing a mermaid was like whoa, you know, yeah. because it uh, when he saw her washed up, she screamed and it, it was yeah. just like whoa, you know, there there was nothing where it was like oh hey how you doing? It was mm-hmm. more like whoa this is frightening. What, what's going on to my mind right mm-hmm. now? Right. Uh, well, and, and after so he, after he uh, goes and gets this thing out of his cot, he also that night sees um, Tom is his name or yeah. Tom Wake. Tom Wake, yeah, yeah. He sees Tom go up to the uh, lighthouse light, get nude, and you know, like just kind of bathe in the light. Yeah, he's having uh, fun. Well, and yeah, yeah that's down. Tr- yeah, exactly. You know, so it, it, it's like. 
you know, that's quite the first day for your job, I think. You see something like that going on. You're not that but lonely yet. You just got here. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but it seems like there's there is. There's like there's like a couple different like spiritual entities at work here, they, if you're gonna say there's the lighthouse itself, yep. because like Thomas Wake seems to almost worship that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. There's this mermaid, there's this uh, sea monster, and then there's the uh, you know, the the gull which is which uh, Thomas Wake warns him is the the you know, the souls of sailors that have yep. been lost at sea or whatever. So mm-hmm. right. uh, it, it's uh, I don't know if, if you're going to is it like a haunting of all these things or what? And that, I, that is maybe like what's great about this movie is it's left up to your own interpretation. Right. But I've got a really good theory that kind of ties all of those things together that I'll get to once we finish wrapping up talking about the story. Sure. sure. <laughs> like, is it Greek mythology? Yep. It's Greek. Yeah. The Greek mythology. Yeah. About Prometheus. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Never mind. I guess you guys already know. Like, no, no, no. You kind of no, get the really, vibe of that. That's a really yeah. cool. That's a really cool part of this movie, too. I think this is really interesting. Uh, thing uh, but yeah we'll get we'll get to that in a second but basically yeah so he <laughs> it turns out he comes here because he basically wants to make some money it, it sounded like at first he, he this is like a what he was supposed to be there six weeks was that it yeah, like four weeks was four, it. Weeks, four weeks was it yeah and uh and uh the, so like the first day Tom's got him doing all the all the hard work you know he's carrying kerosene up these stairs and and uh, uh, he's doing the chamber pots and, and all that kind of stuff you know and all the while Walt is like telling him that he's doing everything wrong too. yes like absolutely. he carries that giant vat of oil up the stairway like throwing his back out and all this stuff and he's up at the top of the stairs Tom Wake's like why didn't you just use this <laughs> yeah this this little thing because we don't need that much uh, fuel for, yeah, for this yeah you want to set the place on fire go take that back downstairs and put it back where you found it it's like okay and he gets on him for not cleaning the floors well enough when they were spick and span uh, so it's like it's starting to set up like, what's up with Tom Wake here? Like, uh, what is he doing? So this is a real interesting theme that uh, Andy from Straight Chillin' actually is the one who came up with this. It, it, it's uh, th- this movie might be about like millennials versus boomers. I kind of so, got that vibe so, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like, you know, the millennials are doing all the hard work. They're breaking their back and doing all this stuff. And the boomers just tell them that they're not doing enough. Yeah, because they're, they're not retired. doing it right. Now. Yeah, that yeah and cool. they're the, really the ones who aren't doing anything. That, that thought know? crossed my mind and then I dismissed it because I didn't want this movie to be that. <laughs> no, right, exactly. <laughs> like, right. I, thought it was, I thought it was interesting. And if you watch it with that in mind, it's you, you can kind of see that in it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's another kind of, uh, I don't know, interesting idea that maybe this presents. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, let's let's hope that wasn't on his mind when he was shooting it, though. Like, yeah, this will show the boomers. Yeah, let, <laughs> this is a social commentary on generations. That's yeah, what it is. Everything well, has to be a social I, commentary I think, now. Well, yeah, everything does have to be so but I think I think it is an interesting uh, look at two different generations and because this happens you know the older generation does they're e- like you guys if, are lazy yeah. it's like every every older generation thinks the one prior to mm-hmm. it is lazy yeah <laughs> even if he wasn't trying to do that that's exactly what this was exactly. I, mean, I mean and it's like you know you have the old sea, sal- salty sea dog you know just saying oh you need to go do this and the guy's like okay i just want to make some money but you know being pretty much abused by this guy as far as you know, I have to do everything. Yep. Right. And like, he's not one to talk either because like they're both kind of scummy people all together. Like you kind of you kind of come out that like uh, t- 
Thomas Wick isn't all that great of a guy. <laughs> like, right. I think this is the kind of job you get or you got back then to escape. You know, yep. if you if you had done something that was maybe a little uh, that didn't make you an upstanding member of the community, maybe this is where you went to get away from that and, and that's start exactly, over. And that's exactly what Ephraim was trying to do. Absolutely, because uh, we come to find out later that he was. He worked at a lumber uh, company out in Canada, and he witnessed, uh, was it his supervisor or someone pass, like, die mm-hmm. in the middle of, uh, like, the river where they, like, um, have all the logs and stuff, I assume is what they were talking about, right, when they, like, have the logs, flumes. Yep. Yeah, yep. he got he got jammed in between it. Or, yeah. Like, he could have saved him, but he didn't. He watched him, because he didn't yep. like him, is yes. basically what they came up to, to, you know, explain. And that's kind of the tipping point of this film, when uh, Ephraim and Tom Wake finally, like, share a drink and like get a little too sloshed and he explains to him everything it's kind of where the movie starts to go off the rails a little bit between the two characters well and before yeah. that it, it's like they have you kind of see him build this relationship right. over the first couple a of weeks a little bit of it, trust starts to form y- yeah right. y- you see this y- y- you see this uh, Winslow being overworked right so he's doing all the work um, you know using his drink yeah Tom Tom's like you know, this is what you have to do. I'm not helping you out. Basically, you know, like like Winslow falls into this kind of trap because, like you said, he's he's refusing to drink. He's just drinking water. But mm-hmm. every time he takes a drink of it, it tastes disgusting. Right. You know, it's like, oh, this water's terrible because they have a well out there, obviously caught by. You know, when it rains, this is their drinking water. Right. This is their water that they yep. for libations. But you know, eventually, uh, he ends up. I, I think the turning point is when he does kill the gull. So the seagull has been, like, tormenting him the whole time. Yeah, it's, it's a one-eyed, one-eyed, seagull. one-eyed yeah. seagull, right. And the first time he, inco- the first time he encounters it, um, he just shoots it away and throws a rock at it, and he's warned by uh, Thomas Wake to don't mess with seabirds. Right. They carry the souls of dead uh, seamen. Don't mess with them just right. don't you don't you don't kill a seabird <laughs> like, like smacked him across the good. face he did. as he was like not listening just full hand open whap across the table you don't kill a seabird and then like immediately regrets smacking him like you see he's just like eh, don't don't pay attention to me just <laughs> just make some coffee yeah yeah, uh, yeah make yeah, some yeah, coffee whatever yeah, yeah but don't don't kill a seabird yeah, yeah don't, just don't do that thing i told you <laughs> So, so yeah, but to your point, he, he, the water is bad. So he goes out to the cistern, yeah, and, and checks it, mm-hmm. and it's got a dead seagull, dead in seagull it. in it. Right. And then all of a sudden, then finally, the seagull with the one eye has harassed him enough. And he's so him. he's so angry that he doesn't have water that he just takes it and bashes this seagull against the well yeah, and grabs it by the neck and just wails on it. It is a brutal So brutal. The most brutal seagull scene I've ever Oh my gosh, right? And the No best, seagulls were harmed in it though. Yeah, I no. checked. And like the cool thing about this movie and the way it's shot that all the blood shows up just jet black. Right. Because mm-hmm. of the way they like took out the red in the black and white film it's just it mm-hmm. just shows up as just negative space on a otherwise pristine like well and, <laughs> and again aesthetically that's what makes this so beautiful it, it's more effective in black and white you know what blood looks like yeah. you, you've seen gore in horror movies so it's that crimson red but you just have it in your imagination it, it, it for me it add more effective added more effectiveness 
to that scene. Absolutely. It, it really did. And then that's why making making this in black and white was a great choice. I mm-hmm. mean, that's just one scene that if you saw that bright red, it would it, it almost evoke a different feeling than than the black did. And, yeah. You know, that was. But I love when he was finished with the bird and he throws it on the ground and then you just hear the score just swell up and all these birds. <laughs> like, we know what you did. Get ready, man. Strap in. Like. <laughs> so so this is killing a bird thing. There's there's this uh, poem called The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, mm-hmm. you know, about he kills an albatross and everything goes bad for him then, too. I mean, that, that's like a thing in sea lore. I guess, yeah. Isn't it? I mean, killing a bird is, is just a really bad luck because they make, make this guy in Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner wear it around his neck the whole time. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that I think it, it's it's like the same thing. It, it causes very much bad luck to kill a, kill a seabird. Mm-hmm. So. Um, it, and to me, after the killing of the seagull, and and we, you know, mentioned a little bit, is this is the turning point of the movie for good and bad because their, their relationship actually kind of builds up because they're singing, they're drinking, you know, he's uh, um, Winslow smoking off of Tom's pipe, and you know, Tom is smoking one of the cigarettes that he rolled. So I forget too. As soon as he kills the seabird the wind changes yeah and that's when the storm starts to come well, in but that's yeah right. because they board up the they board up the house part yep he kills a ski- seagull one day before he's supposed to leave yep and then the ship is supposed to come get him and, and it never arrives yeah. because oh, that was a great shot too with yeah. him standing outside yeah I don't know what they did it's almost like they sped it up like it looked like the wind was like, yeah, and they're baby. just standing there, like just stone faced. <laughs> I watched an interview with Willem Dafoe, Conan O'Brien, and he was talking about how, like, oh, you know, most uh, Conan's like most actors pick their roles based on the location. You know, like, oh, this takes place on a beach, count me in. We're going to the Bahamas, count me in. But this one takes place in the most dismal place weather-wise. Why did you choose it? And Willem Dafoe says. Well, you don't have to act as much. You're wet and miserable. <laughs> right. That's true, and, and, and that's exactly what they uh, what what going back to the witch. What Eggers did for the family of the, the main characters is that that you're in a cold, getting into fall like New England area where it's just cold and wet mm-hmm. and just kind of like, and you don't have a lot because you're not wearing like heavy coats or anything like that. And no. Yeah, it, it brought out their performances too. And by the way, I was not a fan of Robert Pattinson until after this movie. I agree. This I, I have it written in my notes. I have newfound respect for Robert Pattinson after this because, <laughs> like, his accent, the way he spoke, his facial animations—it just, it totally was like, yeah, you're totally reminiscent of an early 1900s gentleman with the handlebar mustache and oh, yeah. put up your dukes, you yeah. know? Like, yeah, absolutely. He was, with that mustache, he was, he was an 1800s guy. Oh, yeah. Like, like you said, that one shot almost looked like it was shot out of the 1800s. Exactly. Like, it could have been just a still frame. It, it, right. And just right. like, oh, just all the pockmarks and like just deep setted face of Willem Dafoe's face looks like he's been on sea for years. Just, <laughs> right. oh my gosh. You know he's a Milwaukee guy, right? Yeah. He's from <laughs> Appleton. Or whatever. Oh, yeah, he's, he's, right. he's yeah. a Wisconsin guy. He's from Wisconsin. That's probably why he wasn't adverse to going up to Nova Scotia either. And, yeah. like, I think some of the best parts is when they're drinking, too, because you know, like, this isn't a good idea. Like, you feel the tension because there's this big Wapatuli storm coming. They're just going to drink it away. Yeah, yes, they are. And the thing was is, like, during the daytime, they really didn't like each other, but they, you know, they got to drinking their whiskey. They were best buds. Best They're slow dancing with each other. Yeah, exactly. They were sharing stories. Shanties. Yeah, this is like like where where uh, Winslow re- uh, reveals that he 
his name's really Thomas, and you know he stole this guy's identity because, you know, he just wanted to be able to make a living, have his own farm, you know, eventually settle down. Yeah, and <laughs> Thomas Wake didn't like that one bit. No. Totally distrusts him after that. No. And uh, I thought another great scene though is when they did the lobster scene, and he's pulling up uh, that that Pattinson's pulling up the lobster trap, and he finds the decapitated head. Yep, that's uh, like Thomas's previous partner or whatever. Yeah, the guy yeah, that was Wake's stuck there, the, the wiki that was there for yeah. seven months that went insane and died. Right. Did you notice something? He was missing an eye. Yeah. Really? No, I did not. He was that. missing an eye. <laughs> There's your seagull. Yeah. There is your seagull. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. All their so all their food goes bad after after he kills that seagull too. Yep, you know, all yeah. their food goes bad because like go bad. yeah, everything like gets uh, like flooded, right? And everything. So he makes him. It's funny. He makes him go out to the back of the lighthouse with a shovel and makes him dig up. Like they're going to get more rations. Like they have so some more. They do. Them. They do. Apparently, apparently they had some extra rations buried back. Yeah, that's it. That's why he dug it up. Be, yeah, that's why he dug it up. Dug it was up supposed the, to be extra rations, but yeah, it was uh, booze. Yeah, it's, it's all, all booze. <laughs> and Thomas Ephraim's just like extra rations. Like, uh. Yeah, man, it was a whole like crate of, of just whiskey or whatever they were drinking back. It, was, it must have been whiskey. It right? had to been like whiskey, maybe rum. Yeah, right. yeah, that my rum makes sense. Doesn't yeah, it? Um, but like uh, after like I think after the turn and he spills his guts to him is when we start to realize that Wake is kind of gaslighting uh, a little bit because. After they have a blackout drunk night, he wakes up and he tells them because he thought that they missed the boat by like a day. And uh, Thomas Wake is like, are you kidding? It's been three weeks. It's been three weeks. What do you mean it's been a day? You've been going mad saying that we can't ration and blah, blah, blah. Like he keeps he's like making him think that he's been there like not as long as he think he is. And at that point, I wasn't sure like. Did they really black out for like a whole two weeks? Like I think they did. I I, I think it's because they were su- on such a bender when it came. Because I mean they were going insane, and I think they did miss. I I think maybe that that Defoe kind of had the idea of what mm-hmm. they what was going on, and then Pattinson because he didn't really know that they they were kind of out of their gourd for that long. I, I, I have a feeling that's when the gaslighting started, though, and he was trying to make them think that he was there longer than he actually was. Um, because, like, in the subsequent scenes later, you find out that, like, he tells them why his leg is, like, bum, why he's got a bad leg. And then, like, later he changes his story mm-hmm. and gets called out on it and is like, uh-huh. no, no, that's not what I said at all. You must be, you must have heard me wrong. Yeah, because he, he did. He admitted that he wasn't actually a sailor or had these big adventures. He was just always. Yep. Oh, and then later you see him doing a jig. He's dancing on the damn leg. That's right. Like hopping on it. And like in that scene, when Robert Pattinson spits out the alcohol and does his own jig, I thought he was going to call him out right there and then for like hopping on the bum leg. <laughs> um, but then like um, later on. Uh, going on. Yeah. Like the gaslighting continues when Robert Pattinson eventually tries to escape by taking the rowboat after some terrifying things happen. Was this after he has the vision of... I think, yeah, doesn't he see the uh, the sea... He, he kind of sees Wake become a sea monster. Or something, yeah. yeah. Well, no, he, he sees that later. He later. does see... I think it's one of the last times that he sees him up in the light, like in the lighthouse part. Mm-hmm. 
and then he sees a tentacle come down. Okay. And then he, he's kind of like, whoa, I got to get out of here because we've right. been out here. Is that when he takes the rowboat? And then, yeah. Okay, yeah, because then... After he tries to take the rowboat, uh, Thomas Wake destroys the boat and runs after Ephraim with an axe. Mm-hmm. And then when they get back inside, he tries to switch the tail like, no, you ran after me with an axe. Don't you remember? And it's like, OK, he's been trying to gaslight him this whole entire time. Right. No, no they had uh, previously run out of booze and started drinking uh, like kerosene. Yeah, kerosene with uh, honey. honey in it. Yeah, it <laughs> looks like they were, they were tamping it down with honey. I what mean, did he yell after he drank it? Like monkey punch or something <laughs> like that? Or like monkey something? I'm like. I was afraid to Google it because I was like, is that what they called it? Like <laughs> some other websites. Might be <laughs> um, I have to say like my favorite scene out of all the times of them drinking was when Ephraim mentioned that he didn't like Thomas Wake's cooking and he gets really offended, super offended. You at least like the lobster, right? No, your lobster's garbage. And then he stands up and curses him. I straight up salty sea dog curse. Like, solid like three minutes of a tirade of oh and your body will never be found in the bottoms of Davy Jones Locker and Neptune and all this and like that was the best I've ever seen Willem Dafoe ever way better than there was a firefight like knocks that performance out of the water like oh my gosh and then like at the end of this whole tirade he's like being serious and like scorning him and all of a sudden Ephraim's like all right, fine. I like your cooking. Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) And that was another moment that I thought was great about this film. Like it doesn't take itself too seriously and it lends itself to a little bit of comedy through the tension. Like when he's trying to like empty out the buckets. And that's what he does though. Oh yeah. (laughs) And one of his chores is to empty out the pee buckets, poop buckets, and it goes back into his face. (laughs) He just didn't check the wind first. It goes whoop right back into his face. I actually actually read somewhere that was an homage to uh, uh, the Big Lebowski. (laughs) (laughs) I can see that. Really? That's awesome. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's, uh, and that's where things kind of like start getting really bad for these guys. Uh, He actually makes this comment, which made me laugh. He Talking about steak, he goes, yeah, I'd have a steak right now and I'd F it. <laughs> Sorry. That, that was a little more levity to the movie. Because it, it, it gets so dark and like the, the placement of that. And again, I missed some of the dialogue just because it, it confused me at times. So, I mean, if I watch this again and uh, with the subs on, I, I think I'd have a little more fun with it. Uh, where, where he's cursing him, that, that's where he where he curses him to the Promethean fate, right? Yeah, something yeah, like that. Was that, that it, that. or was at that towards the end? No, that actually that's when he's burying. Uh, that, yeah, uh, he's yeah, burying that's towards the end when he does that. that that's right. Thing. Oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So he he uh, yeah he, he leashes him to a rope, uh, and he, he's going to bury him alive in the in the ration pit, and he's. Uh, He's he like actually shovels dirt onto his face. Well, I, I think the way that he, was hard to watch. Yeah, well, the, the way he walks him, like he's on on his hands and knees like a dog. Yeah, yeah he degrades right. him. Yeah, he totally does. Like, yes. does they get in a huge fight? Well, before that is this is when the storm's really bad and the waves are starting to crash into the house itself, so it's flooding everything. Um, you know, Pattinson finds uh, this book that he's that 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 Defoe's been writing in, and he really. <laughs> Defoe's saying, you know, he's neglectful. He drinks on the job. Um, he doesn't do what he's told. I say he gets fired without pay. Yeah, basically just yeah, nagging him from the complete job and ha- even, not saying any of this to his face. Even at the beginning of the movie, 
Defoe saying, drink, come on, yeah. have a drink, drink. And, but turns it around. Like like you said, the moonlighting thing, I think that's where it came from. It's yep. just He's just basically making... Um, he's manipulating this. I, I call him Winslow. That that that's what I remember. Yeah. Uh, he's yeah. He's manipulating him to do all this work, and he's taking the credit and saying, "Oh no, no, this guy didn't do anything. He was drinking. I look all these bottles all around." So. Oh, we forgot to mention the scene where he's whitewashing the uh, the tower. Where he's got him on the pulley system and he's trying to paint the side of the lighthouse. Keep it steady. <laughs> Keep it steady. Stop moving around. <laughs> like, I'm not. <laughs> but, like, I love the part when he finally falls and hits the ground. You just see him hit the ground for, like, a split second and it just cuts to black. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought that was a really cool effect. Because, I mean, like, it's probably what would happen to him if you hit the ground and then blackness. Like, you know? Like, like knocks you unconscious for a little bit. Yeah. For sure. Uh, so he takes the boat. They had that interaction of, you know, you're a weakling, you're a fraud, you know, calling each other out. Like, it, I thought it was weird that, that Winslow goes, well, hey, I just want the keys to see what's up there. And he's like, nope, not yeah. going to have it. No, the light is mine, yeah. basically. He's like, yeah, he's protecting it with his life. Um, so he starts hallucinating. He sees he sees the mermaid again, starts mm-hmm. fantasizing about her. He, this is when he sees Tom as the sea monster. And then he actually sees the actual Winslow. Yep. And then and then beats the hell out of out of a uh, Defoe, and this is puts him on the leash, takes him out to that hole that they dug for the rations earlier, and I'm with you. I this the death scene of Willem Defoe was like so jarring to me because he wasn't necessarily on the verge of death. He was very messed up from the fight they had but he kept throwing dirt into his mouth so yeah. he suffocated as he's on talking dirt. right as he was talking and this is where he curses and you can up. hear him like you can hear his mouth getting drier as he's talking he's like <laughs> coughing on this dirt and i'm like this is hard to watch like yeah. i was getting anxiety like oh my god i guess it wasn't very fun to film for defoe either oh, i bet not oh <laughs> yeah they're both character actors so i'm sure they're like no go ahead and hit me and go yeah. ahead and throw dirt in my get mouth. it in my face do it i don't care like <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, that, that that was hard to watch. So um, then he stops talking, and then he just—I didn't understand why he didn't just finish burying him at this point. Because as soon as he's done talking, he like stops burying him. Then he like, just grabbed the keys. Yeah, he just grabbed the keys and left. And then a uh, big mistake because uh, Thomas Wake comes back uh, <laughs> with an axe again and just takes a nice big chunk on his shoulder mm-hmm. and. Uh, Ephraim fights back and takes the axe and one plunge just finishes him like a melon and a mallet. Yep. Super quick. You just hear one splurch and like you see a little bit of blood and like moving on. But it was all over his face when he climbed up to the top of the lighthouse. Oh, yeah. 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 So he climbs up there and he's got the key. So like the lighthouse is going. And then a panel, like a, a window panel, yep. opens up. It just presents and, itself. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like he opens his arms with it, and he's so euphoric. The look on his face, he's just like, ah, this is what I, this is what I was looking for. And then the that that horn slash the, the way you said the music and the oh, everything else intertwined. Yep, it did the same it, thing at the end. It goes that. And then he's like, it ties into his screams. Yeah, and he's like, you know, freaking out here now. Like, yeah, screaming as loud as possible. And this part at the end was incredibly loud and uncomfortable because, like, I had it turned up because movies, you know, obviously, this was the loudest part of the movie. Like, oh my god, like so uncomfortable. Like, the sound needs to stop. 
And yeah, he, he goes towards the light essentially and tries to touch it or caress it. And it basically, I don't know, like rejects him or something happens to him that he. It's too powerful for him and he falls. Yeah, he falls all the way down the stairs, uh, down the stairwell. And uh, I think after that, the last thing you see is just. Well, he's outside of the house. Or outside of the lighthouse, like naked on the rocks, and he's still barely alive. But his eye, his, his eyes, eyes pecked out. Missing, yep. Yep. And, and but his, he's getting eaten alive the by birds, these birds. By the like birds. like his he's cut wide open. And um, which is a lot like that's Prometheus. the story of Prometheus. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the, the old mythology of Prometheus was uh, he was trying to steal the fire from Olympus to give to humans, and his punishment for doing so was a lifetime of having his innards eaten out by birds. Only to have them heal and for it all to start the next day. Exactly. So is that what happens here? I mean, is he is he going to heal and this happens right, to him so just you guys ready over for this? Over? Go ahead. The final shot of the seagull swarming over Winslow's body and pecking his insides as he lies helpless on the rocks resembles that of the Greek mytho- mythological tale of Prometheus. The Greek gods took away the fire from humans as punishment for disobeying them. Then the titan Prometheus stole the fire back to give the valuable gift to mankind. The gods were outraged by Prometheus's theft of fire, so they punished Prometheus by chaining him helplessly to a rock, where each day an eagle was sent to eat Prometheus's liver, which he would grow back overnight and be eaten again the next day forever. Where's that from? IMDb. IMDb. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Is it Greece? <laughs> according, according to Robert Eggers, the two lead characters represent figures in Greek mythology. Wake represents, uh, is it Pro- Proteus? Proteus? Proteus. Yeah, he's the shapeshifter, right? Yeah, the old uh, prophet, prophetic sea god who is called the old man of the sea. Winslow represents Prometheus, a titan and trickster figure who defies the gods by stealing fire. Hmm. Represented by the light in the lighthouse. Yep. So that was why he didn't. Uh, Wake didn't want him to have the key because he was going to take take the, take the light or the yep. fire. Huh? And okay. I, I think I read somewhere that Proteus was also like another sea titan or a sea god that could change shapes and change uh, images, and that's why uh, Ephraim kept seeing like the mermaid, uh, the weird tentacled sea monster, which was like Proteus's true form, and then the sea dog, uh, Wal- uh, Walter uh, Wake. Interesting. That makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. I think I just changed my score. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, I think that's what I love about this film, too, is it leaves it so open to interpretation because not only do we have, like, Greek mythology, there's actual events that happen that are kind of based off of this, too. Way back in about the same time period, there was a three white lighthouse watchmen uh, off the coast of Scotland on the Flannan Isles that mysteriously went disappeared. And to this day, they have no idea what happened to those three men. When they came back to change the guard, they saw that the table was set with all the food and everything. And then there was one coat hanging up, but all three men were gone. And there's tons of like uh, different like theories of what happened. Some say they were abducted by aliens. Some say that they got lost at sea trying to escape. Uh, others say that they got into a big fight on the coast uh, off by the cliff and they all fell in to their death and drowned to death. But to this day, they have no idea what happened in the Flannan Isles. Wow. So there was a lot of people saying that, like, this was related to that story. And actually, there's another movie based on that really? called The Vanishing. Really? With uh, 
doopy doop doop do. Um, oh my gosh, who played? It wasn't Kiefer Sutherland, was it? No, yeah, no, that was that was Hunter Vanishing. <laughs> he was in Three Hundred. Um, oh, um, this is Barta. Gosh, um, what's his name? Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> right guy. there. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, Gerard Butler. Thank you, Gerard <laughs> Butler. Thanks. <laughs> but yeah, there's a movie about that exact uh, case too, called The Vanishing. But well, um, it's interesting you bring that up because, like, when they first get there, everything's set. Yep. Everything, everything looks pristine, I guess, or as pristine as it can look. And you like see the only two other people in the movie walking to, like away, right. like they pass each other, yeah. not even saying a word to each other, even just kind of <laughs> like. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. yeah, there's there's a bunch of interesting lighthouse stories that are almost worse than this story. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I heard one about a, a guy who uh, the light the lighthouse keeper they didn't get along, and uh, the guy died of like natural causes, and he didn't want people to think that he had killed him, so he tried to keep his body around to show that that he. <laughs> and uh, they they kept coming into uh, to there was like a storm. And since his body was his body was like out on the lighthouse uh, on the top of the lighthouse, I guess. And there's a storm, and they kept coming in to like relieve him. And the guy like his arm was blowing in the in the in the wind because it was like stiff, you know. And uh, and it just looked like he was waving him off, so they oh never came God. back. Oh my God. That's <laughs> that was the inspiration for Weekend gr- at Bernie's. Some grim stuff, exactly man. Right. I don't know. Eighteen hundreds lighthouses are just not not yeah. a real pleasant work environment. Apparently, doesn't sound like it. All right. Fellas, I think we got this one covered. Um, Did we miss anything? I don't think so. Just the imagery. Like, there's still stuff that sticks to my mind. Like, that scene when he, like, I don't know how this happens, but he ends up, like, Willem Dafoe's naked and holding him, and then, like, the light is coming out of his eyes into his eyes, and he's, like, ho- like holding him on the ground. Like, that yeah. stuck in my mind. Yeah, that is a quite a scene. Yeah, it's just... And I feel like anything... Like, you could pause this movie at any point, and it would look like a picture that was taken in the 1800s. Like, the way it was shot, everything, like, the, the attention to detail for the time period was just so well done. And yeah, I definitely one of my top horror films for sure. Yeah. And the same with the witch. I mean, I think Robert Eggers nailed it once again. So uh, we'll start with our guest Kessler. What are you going to give the lighthouse from 2019 out of five? Out of five, a solid, solid five. Actually, I'm probably going to, I can't think of anything I didn't like about it. Um, Andy, why don't you give me your, your, (laughs) give me your score first. I'm going with Kessler. I'm a five. You give it a five. There is nothing wrong with this movie. There is nothing wrong with this movie. I was engaged the whole time. I didn't check my phone once. I can't can't find anything wrong with this movie. I wish I would have watched this in 2019. It would have easily made my top three. Easy. I agree. I I regret not... I, re- I regret waiting on it as long as I did. Um, yeah. It was so brilliantly shot, and we've said it eight billion times. The black and white added to it. Absolutely, yep. absolutely. And it didn't at all feel pretentious in any way. No, no. like it, it wasn't up its own ass it, no, at all. No, it really no, wasn't. It no, was it, not. It no. could have, like I said, it could have been bougie. This yeah. could have been. Oh, and one I, of those, I, oh, oh, oh. When yeah. I, when I thought we were we were in for that when I when I first heard about this movie. I felt I'm the like, same black way. and white. Oh, come on, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah. It, Absolutely not. Um, so the reason reason John's so interested in my score is because I said that a movie that we reviewed last week called Daniel Isn't Real was better than this. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I, I gave. I think this is my uh, number four in my top uh, five. Of it is. It, it was right right at, yeah. right before Daniel yeah. Isn't Real. And uh, in watching again, I 
I don't know. I, I may have been wrong about that. This may be the third best movie. I don't think it's better than Midsummer. I think Midsummer is still better than this. And I think I, I'd say Us is better than this, but which is my, my number one movie. But, um, yeah, I... I I'd get. I'd give it a four. I. I, I can't. I, in thinking about you guys, I, I. I can't think of what I. I don't. I don't think it was as accessible. I, I, maybe if I watch it more, I, I'd give it a five. I, I. I thought I had. I had some problems kind of understanding what was going on. Maybe it's just because I'm stupid. But the old uh, English I, does. Yeah, it's hard without subtitles. Like, and, they do help. And but like in mid in midsummer, I didn't have that. But I got what was going on sure. right away. And uh, and maybe it's just uh, it's it's a it's a more complex movie than than any of those other movies. And uh, well, I'm not smart enough to get it, but you know, in uh, in in watching it again this week, and and uh, and you know, go, talking about it with you guys, it's it's a it's a better movie than Daniel isn't real. <laughs> Dan, Daniel isn't real has a lot, but you know what? Daniel isn't real has a lot to think about, it does. just like it does. this movie does. I mean, you could sit there if you watch the Daniel isn't real four or five times, you're going to come away with a lot more stuff than than you did the first time that you uh, sure. watched it, and there's there's a lot to think about in it. But but, uh, you know, that suffers from a very weak ending where this one has actually the ending kind of uh, is pretty awesome. <laughs> and uh, there's so many different themes that are interwoven into this that, uh, yeah, I'm going to give I'm going to give it a four. But it's all done with sensitivity, too. It's sure it's, it is, it's yeah. not, you know, it's not just, oh, let's take all these different ideas. It's just very. Yeah, you know, it doesn't lean one way or the other. No, like, I'm not saying it's yeah. ripping it off. No, 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 it's, it's no, all. We're not accusing it's, you. you know, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, I agree. I, I yeah. think, but it, it ties it in perfectly together. You know, I, I'll tell you honestly, I was sitting at a four and a half before we talked about this, mm-hmm. only because I was having problems with the dialogue or following along, but I, I kept up with the movie. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and I wasn't just like you. I wasn't bored at one point in this. Mm-hmm. No, no point. And I did watch with the subtitles, so I knew what they were saying. Oh, uh, but, uh, you need those subtitles for right, some of those right. scenes. And, well, somebody should have told me. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. Like, uh, I watched this movie, and I, I, I made up my top five. I watched those movies like one after another you know I watched him like uh, I, I, uh, I watched uh, Lighthouse and then I watched Daniel's Real like the next night and then I rewatched Midsummer and I watched Us and stuff like like uh, I watched them all in in the same week like w- one day each each night just to make sure <laughs> yeah and uh, so I didn't I watched this and it was the first time I'd watched it that night and um I didn't read anything about it. I think once you read more about it, once you think about it, once you talk with other people about it, this movie gets a lot better. Absolutely. So uh, I think that's why I put it where I did in my top five ranking, because I didn't have any other context about it. Sure. And I didn't really have anybody else to talk about it or think about it with. And, you know, the, the top five, we didn't really discuss these movies more. Any, You know, we, we more talked about them ourselves mm-hmm. and just what we thought of them. It wasn't a discussion like this that we, we had about that movie. And I think that makes, if you start reading about this movie, if you start thinking about this movie, if you talk to other people about it and what the symbolism and all of that stuff, you start to understand all that, it becomes a much better movie. There's a, there's a lot for me, a lot more for me to chew on with this movie. But, I mean, again, I... Andy four is like perfectly fair, and that's yeah. and that's a totally great score for this movie. Seriously, like for me, it's just what's make not perfect for me. It was kind of it was the understanding of the dialogue. The dialogue was fantastic, yeah. but I mean, true. talking about it and and just getting more of an understanding is like and like I'm dang. trying to think of something to knock for the film, and the only thing that I can knock for is the really loud ending when he screams, <laughs> and I didn't like that. But that it's that evoked, that evokes something in me, and like that movies should do that, you know, like right. 
But I love that there's a little something for everyone. If you're a Lovecraft fan, you'll find Lovecraft themes. If you love mythology, you'll find mythology themes. If you love Hitchcock, there's tons of like nods and like the way it's shot. Oh yeah, and, oh, like, yeah. camera angles, camera sure. angles and stuff. Like completely, like yeah, there's something for everyone in this movie. If you're Absolutely. a horror fan, like I tell you what, uh, Robert Eggers has got coming up. It's called The Northman. That looks super awesome, man. Ooh. Here's the synopsis so far: Viking revenge saga set in Iceland at the turn of the 10th century. Yeah, that looks super cool. I'm yeah, gonna go Viking. Yeah, oh, you ready yeah. for the cast? Who's it? Anya Taylor Joy. Oh. Alexander Skarsgård, Nicole Kidman, nice. Willem Dafoe, Bill Skarsgård. Willem Dafoe's back. Willem Dafoe is in it again, huh? He's that be awesome. liking now. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh boy. Did, I tell you, I, I'm truly excited for this. Oh, movie. I'm super excited yeah. about that one. They started I, I pre production on yep. it. Very excited about this. Yeah. So, I mean, again, uh, a great movie from Robert yep. Eggers. This is my first introduction to Eggers. I'm really excited to see. I didn't get a chance to see The Witch yet. So, watch it. Yeah, no, I'm gonna. I, my, part, my my fiance is even like, okay, now we gotta watch The Witch, right? <laughs> like, oh, did she like it? Too? Oh, she loved the Lighthouse. Yeah, okay. she thought it was Excellent. great. Yeah, you guys, if you got some time this weekend, check it out. Probably. And Andy and I both watched yet. it, enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, Kessler, thank you so much for coming in. Dude. Thank you, thank you very much. Uh, yeah. it, always good to have you. Glad to be here. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Next week we. We'll be back. We're getting ready for St. Patrick's Day, one of Andy's favorite movies from 1993. We'll be uh, chatting about Leprechaun. <laughs> it is actually back one of the my hood? Yeah, No, just <laughs> the original one, Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> I've seen them all. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody, have a good weekend.